0: out in Kalgoorlie, um, which was great fun, our son and So where were we? We got out to Kalgoorlie, didn't we? Uh, with our son and daughter-in-law invited us out, out to Kalgoorlie for Christmas and it was a wonderful time. Uh, but it is great to be back, great to be back in Jero. And uh, to be given the honour of preaching on on the last Sunday of 2023. Uh, I have no illusions that Matt, Pastor Matt planned it that way. It's just that... Uh, that 's how it is um, and it is an honor always an honor to to be given the opportunity to preach god 's word so let 's just pray before I go any further <laughs> thank you lord uh, it it still amazes me uh, the history of of your word from from the moment uh, you first uh, spoke and uh Moses uh, started writing, <laughs> and uh, Lord, the way uh, you have preserved your word throughout history and the sacrifices that have been made, that we can hold your word in our hands today in freedom. We can read it. We can share it. We can speak it out. We can, we can uh, be opened up with our spiritual eyes and ears, that you would open our hearts and speak to us today, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you inspired the word of God. And that you today bring us understanding of your word. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So, it's a new beginning for a new year that that is uh, almost upon us. And it's a chance to start again, right? And... It's always great to have that chance to start again, but often we can be kind of discouraged about, about what could be ahead, can't we? Think of the many times you've made New Year's resolutions. Think of the many times you've made the choice you want to change. And look, here's, here's a tip for what it's worth. Um, if, if you're going to, if you have the aim to change, that's good. I want to encourage, and a whole, a whole huge section of this message is about that. Please do. Please. Please make those resolutions. Please do all that. But I beg you, please don't post it, plaster it all on social media. <laughs> all the things that you're going to do differently next year. Because you know what you're doing when you do that? You're putting this unbelievable amount of pressure on yourself. Once you put it up there on social media and say, these are all the things I'm going to do different next year, I'm going to change about, there's going to be a whole bunch of people watching you to keep you accountable. Is accountability good? Yes, it is. But people who have your best interests in heart, people who you trust, by all means, be accountable to them. Say, I want to change. I need to change in this area. Can you support me and keep me accountable on this? And you know what? Then when you have changed and the proof is there, then you post it on social media as a testimony to the power of God. Just my little tip for what it's worth. But I want to go deeper than that. (laughs) You might be glad to know. I've identified five places that we need to actually revisit. We need to do some revisiting in the next 24 hours. Starting now. If you haven't already started. But it's good to revisit things. It's not good to get stuck in the past and wallow in it. But it's good to revisit, revisit the foundations of our faith. That's what we're revisiting. I've identified, I've identified five places we need to revisit. And we're going to use as our basis for today the Gospel of John chapter 1, verses 34. Verses 1 to 34, to be exact. And in today's message, there's two Johns in the story today. There's the Apostle John, who is the author of this gospel. And there's also John the Baptizer, also known as John the Baptist. But I don't want anyone who might be visiting from another denomination to think that we're trying to take ownership of John the Baptist. So we'll go for John the Baptizer. If you are visiting today, we... Really hope that you are enjoying being with God's people. So John chapter 1, that's where we're going to start. And if you have your Bibles handy, then by all means open them up. I'm going to be reading from the Christian Standard Bible um, for you. John chapter 1, reading from verse 1. In the beginning. Just hold that, tuck that away. You're going to... Find that useful a little later on. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him. Was that most things? Was that quite a lot of things? No, it was all things. All things were created through Him. And apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created created. Is John making a point there? In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness. Tuck that away too. That'll be very handy very soon. That light shines in the darkness, and yet, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. I warned you about him. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. So we're revisiting some places. So number one, we're going to revisit the beginning. I wonder, have you ever noticed... um, how closely the Apostle John modelled the introduction to his gospel on the introduction to what? Did you hear it? The introduction to Genesis. Have a look at this, Genesis chapter 1. If you want to find that in your Bibles, Genesis chapter 1, it's in the beginning. And that's how it begins, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And remember, I told you to tuck this away too. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. There was an evening and there was a morning one day. So two reasons for Genesis 1 being referred to by the Apostle John here that I can see. The Apostle John, number one, the Apostle John was Jewish. Yeah, Newsflash. The Apostle John was Jewish. He knew how to connect with a Jewish audience. What better way than, and remember, the Gospels when they first appeared, were read. Not everyone could read. Everyone, provided their hearing was in good condition, could listen. Someone who could read would stand up and read it. And John said, I know how I'm going to start my gospel. In the beginning, bang, he's got everyone in the attention in the room, who is Jewish, their attention. That was one reason. Another reason, and the second reason why the Genesis 1 connection, I believe, is that John was emphasising that Jesus, the Son of God, played a key role in creation. He's got it. He's got him, the Son of God, embedded right there in creation. He mentioned in the beginning. He mentioned the darkness and then the light came. And you heard us as we read John chapter 1, in the beginning the word was with God and the word was with God and the word was God and he created everything and he brought the light to the dark places. Continuing on, where else do we need to revisit? Sorry if we can just pedal back there. Thanks, Glennis. Number two is revisit the facts. We're still on revisiting the facts, number two. And this is what the Apostle John, the best friend of Jesus himself, That's what John meant when he said, I was the disciple whom Jesus loved. He said, in the Australian translation, I was his best mate. So the best friend of Jesus himself wrote this gospel, witnessed at first hand, up close and personal, with his own two eyes, what what he wrote here from verse 10. Let's read verse 10, back to John chapter 1, verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was created through him. And yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. This is John challenging and even rebuking his own people. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name who were born not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. So John explains. He said, I saw the Son of God. I knew him. I saw everything he did. He really was the Messiah. And he was the creator of the world. He came to this world that he created himself. But what did so many in the world do? Can you believe we, we would have the temerity to tell Jesus, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. And we're standing on the earth he created. We're standing right on his backyard. Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. It's so galling, isn't it, when you start something or it's your original idea or you've done all the hard work to get something off the ground. I'm not striking any chords here, am I? You don't want me to... No? Of course you do. Yes, there's some heads nodding. Some of you have been there. Many of you have been there. So you've got this thing off the ground. You've done all the hard yards, all the runs on the board. Then some wise guy just arrogantly steps in and takes the credit or even takes ownership of it. Have you ever been there? Say an amen if you've been there. Well... Sandy and I, as I said, we were out in Kalgoorlie recently. We could introduce you to a dear friend who probably has experienced what we can consider one of the worst examples of that. Uh, Our friend is a wonderful old um, friend. (laughs) She's a delightful lady, senior member of God's family. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant Person, incredible talent, still shines so bright. A hero of the faith, and it was so good to to um, reconnect with her out at Kalgoorlie at Christmas. She is a linguist, and and the work uh, that she and her husband have done over the years. We're talking. Over 40 perhaps 50 years working with the local indigenous people of the goldfields to preserve their language to make their language known to enable their language to be translated um, into the word of God to translate the word, word of God into their language I'm sorry now she did incredible work and this took years um, along with her husband out there in the desert Um, i never forget meeting her husband out in Coolgardie back in the very late 90s. No, the mid-90s. And uh, I introduced myself and uh, his name was Brian. He said, yes, Uh, hello Elliot, my name's Brian, I'm bold as a lion. (laughs) Brian, bold as a lion. A wonderful character. And um, he asked me about what Sandy and I were doing... I said and what about yourself sir I said well we've been out in the out in the desert with with um with indigenous people uh, working on their language for forty years i don 't know about you. that sort of stuff impresses me. so his wife had done all this incredible work with linguistics, and there was one occasion um, where Sandy and I were walking down Hannon Street. This was years ago. And there was a bit of a kerfuffle going on. There was some Indigenous uh, desert fella and he was surrounded by police. And, uh, look, I'm I'm a big fan of the police, I want to say. I was the local volunteer police chaplain in Kalgoorlie. There was a kerfuffle going on and this uh, the police were trying to explain to this man that he was out of line, he had done something wrong. He was getting... Uh, all upset, he'd had a bit too much to drink as well. It was a language, there was a communication problem. Our friend happened to be walking past and uh, this, this dear old lady just walked into the middle of this group. Uh, the police all stepped back and they knew who she was and she briefly just leaned in, that the poor man explained what was going on she explained to the police, problem solved. She did great work academically and she uh, was studying at a tertiary institution and one of her lecturers took her thesis and passed it off as his own and published it. I don't know about you, but to me, that, that pretty much takes the cake. That's, that's beyond uh, arrogant. And yet our friend continues doing what she does, still serving God, still, still doing wonderful work with linguists. What's the point am I making? Can you imagine Jesus coming to the earth he created and the response from many being, well, who are you anyway? Who are you to tell us how to live? The Apostle John continued continued on. He wanted to make sure that there was absolutely no way any serious scholarly doubt could be cast upon the reality that a man called Jesus walked the earth. We're revisiting the facts here. And John wanted us to be able to do this. In verse 14, he continued. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory. The glory is the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John, that is, John's talking about John the Baptist now. John testified concerning him and exclaimed, This was the one of whom I said, The one coming after me ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. John the baptizer knew this too. Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The one and only Son, who is himself God and is at the Father's side, he has revealed him. John the Apostle continues on with John the Baptizer's testimony. Verse 19. This was John's testimony. When the Jews from Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him, Who are you? He didn't deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. What then, they asked him, are you Elijah? I am not, he said. Are you the prophet? No, he answered. Who are you then, they asked. We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What can you tell us about yourself? He said, I am a voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, just as Isaiah the prophet said isaiah the prophet what a great place to visit next to revisit as we revisit the promises of god thank you glennis number three we've got to revisit the promises god's promises are not like any other promise you'll hear Uh, back in the i think it was the 90s early 90s nick Lowe um put out a song great song called all men are liars and that's the truth Dick loves a man. I won't, I won't go and explain it. Anyway, it was a great song. Funny. Why is it funny? Because it's true. But God's promises, he keeps every single one of them. We've got to revisit the promises. You know, John the Baptizer's entrance onto history's stage was a fulfilment of God's promise that he made through the writing of the prophet Isaiah more than seven centuries before. Jeremy and I were having a great discussion before the service, you know, being leading in leadership, you know, you've got to be up the front on the platform, and yet it's, we've got to be invisible. We've kind of got to hide in plain sight. I'm here up on the platform, but this isn't about me. But, but yet God's called me to preach his word. John the Baptist, I can't think of anyone more humble than John the Baptizer. In the New Testament. And Jesus testified to it. And yet John the Baptizer He got a lot of attention. Was there anyone in Jerusalem or Judea. Who didn't know about him? And yet. The attention was reflected back to Jesus. It's a fine balancing act isn't it? But he did it so well. It means we can learn from him. And we can do it too. So. The prophet Isaiah, writing in the Old Testament, more than seven centuries before, Isaiah chapter 40. If you have your Bibles, if you have scriptures handy, come with me, Isaiah 40, reading from verse 1. "'Comfort, comfort my people,' says your God. "'Speak tenderly to Jerusalem, "'and announce to her that her time of hard service is over. "'Her iniquity has been pardoned, "'and she has received from the Lord's hand "'double for all her sins.'" And here we are, verse 3. A voice of one crying out, prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness. Makes a straight highway for our God in the desert. That's the promise. I'm going to send someone out to that wilderness. They're going to prepare the way for the Messiah. That's exactly what God raised up John the baptizer to do. Verse 4, continued Isaiah. Every valley will be lifted up and every mountain and hill will be leveled. The uneven ground will become smooth and the rough places are plain. And the glory of the Lord will appear. And all humanity together will see it for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. That's the promise. We're revisiting the promise in Isaiah chapter 40. And then John continued back to the chapter 1 of his gospel. Verse 24. Now, they had been sent from the Pharisees, so they asked him, why then do you baptise if you aren't the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet? I baptise with water, John answered them. Someone stands among you, but you don't know him. He is the one coming after me whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to untie. All this happened in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptising. Sandy and I have had the privilege of being taken to that place when we visited Israel. And it's, it's, it's a, a unique place. That's an understatement, Israel. But the distances are so small. Um, it's here to Perth. That's it. That's Israel. And not that wide. That's the whole thing. And so from Jerusalem, I think it's probably 30 k's, 30 k's south and you're in the wilderness and you're in this desert and this is the place where John, John ministered. Where else do we have to revisit? We have to revisit the evidence. I don't have any proof to show you this is all true. Are you concerned about that statement? You're looking for, fruit, for proof? I have none. I've got none. No proof, but I have evidence as powerful and convincing as you can get. What John the Baptizer saw was a miraculous vision. This was the evidence he needed to be sure that Jesus was the Messiah. What did John see? We're going to find out. But he had to act on this evidence, boldly carry out his ministry and live by faith. And again, he ministered exactly as he was called to do. So verse 29 of chapter 1 in John's Gospel. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I told you about. After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. I didn't know him, but I came baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, and here's the evidence I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he rested on him. Is that proof of who Jesus is? No, it's not, but it's evidence. Are you willing to act on the evidence? I didn't know him, said John, but he who sent me to baptise with water told me, the one you see the Spirit descending and resting on, he is the one who baptises with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, John was pretty, pretty wild, you know, out there, knockabout sort of bloke, but this tells me he listened to God. This tells me he spent a large part of his day Listening to God. I can't imagine he would have been able to do this without listening for the voice of God and obeying. So what will you do with the evidence that has been presented to you today? What evidence, you may be asking? The answer is the evidence, and it's the next slide. Thanks, Glenn. The answer is the evidence that our God... Oh, uh, back one... (laughs) I think, oh, no, I missed it. No, it's all right. Our God is the God of creation, recreation and new. There it is. It's there. Thank you. This is the evidence. Our God is the God of creation. He's the God of recreation and new creation. We already looked at God's original creation. Where was that? The original creation, Genesis 1. We already looked at that this morning. Now let's turn our attention to his recreation and new creation. In Isaiah 65, verse 17. This is Isaiah promising that God will continue recreating. Verse 17 of chapter 65 of Isaiah. For I will create... New heavens and a new earth. For the past events will not be remembered or come to mind. Then be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. For I will create Jerusalem to be a joy. And its people to be a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. The sound of weeping and crying will no longer be heard in her. He's the God of re-creation. And he's the God of new, new creation. Revelation 21. The book of Revelation chapter 21. This is what the same apostle John saw. So John, by this stage, knew that he was the God of creation. He started his gospel in the same way. Exactly the same way. In the beginning. He referred to Isaiah often. Isaiah chapter 65, the God of recreation, And here we are, Revelation 21. This is what the Apostle John saw in this vision. Verse 1 of chapter 21 of Revelation. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity and he will live with them. They will be his peoples and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. He also said, right, because these words are faithful and true. You know, it amazes me. People will often say, oh, I don't like the book of Revelation. It's scary. What? You're missing this. You're missing this. Then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will freely give to the thirsty from the spring of the water of life. The one who conquers will inherit these things and I will be his God and he will be my son. But the cowards, faithless, detestable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters and all liars, their share will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulphur, which is the second death. People often also will we we'll ask that question. Um, why do we need Jesus? Well, without him, if, if we are left to our own devices, if, if I shy away from a responsibility that I have, then I'm being a coward. If I, if I make important decisions, excluding God, in my life then I'm being faithless if I hate someone then I am acting like a murderer if I am paying attention to um, uh, to unbiblical uh, sexual uh, ideas or or activities then I'm being sexually immoral if I am uh, trying to manipulate a situation, then I'm engaging in sorcery. People, without, without Jesus in our life, we will be overwhelmed by the sin that we allow in our life. We, we, can't, we can't conquer it in our own strength. We need him. He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. So we've been doing some revisiting and we come to the conclusion of our revisiting. And the final place we are revisiting, thank you, Glennis, is where we relaunch, where we relaunch and we launch into 2024. I could have just said, okay, everybody, let's just relaunch and try and be like some, you know, smart, alec, motivational speaker. But hopefully, as we've revisited the foundations of our faith this morning, you know that there is a real foundation that we can relaunch from. And so I'm going to pray a prayer, and just as as I pray that prayer, I invite our worship team to to come to the, the platform. And... We're going to pray this prayer and then we're going to enter into a time of communion as a way of um, engaging in accountability for the year ahead. I encourage you as we prepare our hearts for communion, as we take communion, to, to privately um, keep short accounts with God and even take it as an opportunity to ask the Lord to show you what changes he wants to bring in your life in 2024 in the year ahead and so we looked at how Jesus was there at creation he what he is the creator and he brought the light into the darkness has it been a dark year on planet earth in many ways yeah it has but this is an opportunity for the church to shine to shine in the darkness it's no accident God has put you on the earth at this time. Don't, don't be intimidated by the darkness. Jesus is the light who has conquered the darkness. Do we have an amen to that? A prayer for the true light. I've written this prayer. It's a prayer I'm praying, and I invite you to pray it with me. I will read it out and simply amen at the end if you, if you feel the same commitment dear heavenly father in you alone we find life and that life is the light of all humankind your light shines in the darkness and the darkness will never overcome it help us like john to be your witnesses to testify concerning your light so that through you all might believe jesus you alone are the true light that gives light in your wonderful holy name we pray amen So, in a moment, the team are going to conclude with a song, a communion song, led by Jeremy. And during that time, I invite you to freely move about. The communion elements have been placed by the team at the back table. Um, If you're visiting here and you're wondering what communion is, look, no pressure, no pressure. By all means, stay around and ask questions. But yeah, if you're visiting and you don't understand or have an experienced communion, no pressure. You're free to just watch. Also, um, if you are a long-time member of GBC or even you're, you're an established member, just look out for those who might struggle to get up on their feet and go and serve themselves and see if you can serve them. Um, as we enter into that time, just a final thought. I referred to Isaiah a lot in that message as well as the Gospel of John. God could not have put it more plainly and spelt it out more clearly than in the closing chapter of the book of Isaiah. If I really am seeking to please him, then this is how to do it. Walk in humility. Cultivate a submissive spirit. Seriously study his scriptures and obey. Isaiah 66 verse 2 is the verse I'm referring to. And I'll read this and then hand over to Jeremy to lead us in the closing song for communion. My hand made all these things. And so they came into being. This is the Lord's declaration. I will look favorably on this kind of person. One who is humble, submissive in spirit, and trembles at my word.